everyone, and welcome to Geek Rants, episode 237, Whose Job Is It Anyway? Recorded May 15th, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet where geeks rant. That is Geek Rant. My name is Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, usually most of the time, are you two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone out there in internet land. It's It's been a pretty good week. You? And welcome one, welcome all, welcome one and all. We're so glad you could join us today. I think I've used that one before. I'm yeah. sorry. Seth is once again joining us from his Professor Xavier study. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sitting on my broken chair uh, and all. So, um, so we're uh, we're good to be back. And to answer your question, Chris, it was an okay week. Uh, unfortunately, it starts all over again in just a few hours. That's how that works. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's just like watering your yard. Yeah, I have you a... water it to cut it, and then you water it <laughs> right. some more. It's just like eating. You eat it to poop, and then you... No, anyway. Um, Ooh, that <laughs> I, went down the wrong way. I have a standard... Me- but a bumpo went down the wrong way. I have a standard meeting on Fridays, uh, every Friday, and somebody always comes in and says something like, oh, we finally made it. It's Friday. Can't wait for the weekend. And my standard response is, if you've been waiting five days a week for the two days a week, you're doing something wrong. Because, I mean, you can't live your life waiting for one-third of it to happen, and the other two-thirds just, you know, suffering through. It depends on what you do during that one third. <laughs> that, that's kind of true there. No, I, I just, it's, if you, if you hate your job that much, find another job. There are other jobs. My job is not the favorite job I've ever had. Um, but if I, if it was to the point where every Friday I was like, oh, oh, I can't wait for two more to get away from this hell hole for two days. It would be time to find another job. <laughs> if you could find one everybody can find another job. It may not be where you want to be or it may not be making what you want to make. In my experience, most people limit themselves because they want the perfect job within 30 minutes of where they were living right now. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, They're there are no good jobs it. available. Sure there are. You just may have to move to find one. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to jump ahead to what we're going to be talking about, but I'm seeing people wanting level two um candidates for 10 to 12 dollars an hour for a level two technology position is it am i the only one who thinks that's a little low but um it is what the market will bear and that's what this show is about uh job it's a it's an election year in case you haven't noticed here in the u.s and uh, so candidates are making hay about all all manner of things and one of the things uh that seth brought to our attention a little while back the these uh uh, articles are a little old, but still uh, worthwhile, worth discussing. Um, and and political candidates are, are making hay about um, American jobs and, and laying people off and letting them dang foreigners come in on an H-1B visa or, or undocumented workers, you know. And, and it used to just be that, uh, you know, it was the Mexicans picking lettuce were doing the jobs that Americans didn't want to do. But now it's, you know, the the Indians uh, working tech support or the Chinese doing tech. So the whole, the argument is still the same. Them dang furriners are putting Americans out of work, uh, but who them furriners are is changing. So that's what we'll be talking about here in a few minutes. But first, we need to he- hear Seth's promised spoiler-free review of the Civil War. Ooh. Okay, well, I went and saw it Monday, and 
I I had very I wasn't looking forward to it, but I've got to say I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think it is a comic book movie done right for these reasons. Number one, overly simplistic. Number two, plot holes that craters <laughs> would be a more apt word for. Number three, revisionist history of what comes before a climax about halfway through and then setting up a next adventure at the end. It is a comic book in movie form. That's a good point. And it was very entertaining. I, it was very entertaining. Um, the banter, which I, you know, the interplay between the characters, are we still going to be friends? It depends on how hard you hit me. Stuff like that, um, was perfect. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So, you know, high quality, you know, dramatic, put your thinking cap on. Nope, not even close. Um, but it's a comic book in movie form. And in that sense, you know, crossovers, things you didn't think were going to happen, but you knew from the pre um, previews, but it, it was, it was maybe the best comic book movie I've seen. Not the hmm. best movie based on comic materials, but the best comic book movie I've seen. Did you did you agree with my uh, critique of the visuals as being rushed and and not done well? I I noticed a little bit. I don't think it was near as bad as you had made it out to be. Okay, so um, and and it, I, I fully admit it could just be me. Could just be my um observant eye but uh, i did as you know as as articles are being written whatever i've learned that there are several sections no spoilers i promise there are several sections of that movie that are entirely digital that i did not notice um so while the visual effect editors got certain things like for example the big climactic scene at the airport did not take place there was no footage there was no film shot at the airport they went to the, an airport, they took lots of pictures, still pictures, and even to the point of LIDAR scanning so they could get a full 3D um, wow. uh, map of it, and then they digitally recreated the whole thing. So that whole airport was not a real airport. I would not, I did not know that. However, when Captain America falls uh, a, a great distance and bounces off a couple of things, it looks like a super high bounce ball. So they did something super right and some things really badly. Also, uh, Black Panther, every scene of the movie completely digital that there was no suit there was no actor ever at any point playing black panther i would not have known that yeah so um and you know and and they i read an article where they were talking about the fight scene and you know you have um hawkeye captain america the winter soldier and the black widow um are basically the only ones there because you know most all of scarlet witch's stuff is kind of cuts away to her so she could have been anywhere but they're really the only ones all the rest anybody wearing a mask in. is digital yeah yeah so mm. but yeah so you know like i say and and well you know and again it's a comic book movie you expect the the non-true the exaggerated physics so like i say best comic book movie i've seen you know when you put it in those terms i'm i'm willing to revise my review i you know i gave it a seven I, it was okay not terrible. Not yet. It's a C. It's passing. You're going to get by. You're, you'll make it to the eighth grade. Uh, but if you look at it from those terms as a comic book put on film, it's actually masterful. I hadn't considered it like that, but it's the good and the bad, all the, all the, the, the cheese and, and poor writing and, well, let's just not worry about that thing of comic books put on film. Okay. I, now I get it. <laughs> hmm. Cool. 
I'll have to think that way when I see it. And and maybe the problem is they have played so many of the others so realistic. Like starting all the way back with Iron Man in two thousand eight, I believe it was. Um, you know, it was it was really gritty and realistic, and they they really went for the as much as possible the real world. This is what Iron Man would look like in the real world today. And to to a greater or lesser degree, they've, they've stuck with that. Thor was much more fantastic um, in both the movies, particularly the the second Thor movie, where but at least they tried to explain it right. The 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 laws of reality as we know them have been suspended, so they explained some things. But you know, this one was just all out. It was a comic book. You could see Jack Kirby, you know, uh, penciling in a line while Stanley says, "I don't know, make him green." Um, so yeah, actually, Seth, I now, I now think it's a good, it's a nine, it's an eight and a half or nine, but if you look at it that way, <laughs> yay, I wanted to pay, mark it down internet. No kidding. Um, of course you have to admit that, you know, you, you, you've got to give a, uh, give a lot to get there, but, uh, yeah, it, it is, it is a comic book on film. That's, that's a good review. Interesting. So people still, who like I comics still want to watch like it. it. So, okay. Yeah, and you should watch it. Even though, you know, even though I only gave it a seven, there's lots of movies that are worth watching that are sevens. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's a good movie. Plenty of the bad movies are even sevens. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of my favorite of all time movies is um, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And it barely warrants like a six and a half if you're, if you're talking about pure movies. But it was so much fun. That it's one of my favorite movies of all times. So mm-hmm. a seven doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie. Yeah. But, you know, you have to admit part of what that movie, part of what made that movie great was the movie it followed up. So <laughs> Temple point. of Doom used to be the low point in that franchise. <laughs> yeah. And then the Crystal yeah. Skull. Oh, Whatever. I, I heard they were thinking of making a movie. So yeah. <laughs> Somebody accused me online today of being a prequel lover, referring to Star Wars, and I, I was like, "You clearly have no idea who you're talking to, do you?" To or even insinuate, I never that. have talked to you about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, moving right along, that's all we've got. Uh, we don't have any uh, feedback from the audience. Shame on you guys. We have nothing, and we'll get to some tech news if we have a chance to talk about it. But first, let's jump into the whole concept of. Who, whose job is it anyway? Um, and, and I'm looking into, I think this will be interesting. We have such a global audience. We have people, uh, from, from many different countries and many def- different, uh, cultures who listen to the show. And I'm interested to hear your feedback on this. This is a very Amerocentric, as much of our stuff is. Uh, we, we don't, you know, I'm not ashamed of the fact that, that I'm an American and everything I do is American and, and this is a Amerocentric show. But um, I don't also always agree with everything that, you know, is is um, is the way the Americans think. And and it is true that by and large, a large percentage of of the country have bought into this notion that there are American jobs and there are not American jobs. And when I got to looking at some of these things, uh, one of my personal favorites here um, was uh, there's a a company, Abbott, um, that's just the name of the company, Abbott. is laying off a bunch of IT people. Uh, actually, their their contractor. They're going with a different contractor. Is is the the, the mm-hmm. long and short of it. But it looks like um, it, it, the the going with a different company is in the form of laying people off. But you're not really laying people off. You're just because they weren't your people. They were already contractors. Uh, anyway, Abbott right. Labs is a global healthcare company, uh, and they're based in uh, Indiana, I believe it is. And uh, Senator Dick Durbin uh, said of the move. That it was, quote, this is a quote, that the move was um, 
harsh and insensitive. I'm just going to let that sink in for a little bit. A company decided to do what was in its best financial interest, and it was referred to as harsh and insensitive. Does that mean they did they come in and like throw poo all over the <laughs> contractors as they were leaving? Or well, it goes. It's worse than that. They actually had to train their replacements. So they brought in the new guys. The old guys trained the new guys. Then the old guys got fired. But they knew they were getting fired at the time. So we're firing you. But before you go, train these new guys. Yeah. If you want your severance, you have to train the new guys. Right. So wow. could you call that insensitive? Uh, okay. I, I will. I'll give you that. So what is it? Is is there a, a a mandate on the part of a corporate entity or any business owner, any uh, hirer, anybody who employs somebody? Employer, that's the word. Right. Does an employer have to be sensitive? Uh, since when is business ever sensitive? I, well, if your business is you know touchy feely, I guess. Uh, but well, okay. The, yeah, if the job is you know rubbing someone's shoulders for a living. Then yeah, you need to be touchy feely. But since when is you know IT world touchy feely? Well, it's never. here's here's the way that it is insensitive. And whether you think it's insensitive, insensitive overall, I think you can agree that at least in this particular way, it is. This is a company doing business in America that had. American citizens working for it and you can take out the intermediary. Oh, but they're not our employees. They're a contractor. That's just, that's just uh, legal fiction. They're your employees because they're doing your job, whether you third party them or not. So, and we're replacing those with foreign workers who we're bringing in and we're paying them less money because they're not Americans. So we're cratering the American economy, putting downward pressure on the wages by bringing in these foreign people, and then we're putting American people out of work. So in that particular way, that's insensitive. Now, the other, the bigger issue is you have, you know, America has like the highest corporate taxes in the world or up among them, and the government provides incentives to bring these foreign workers over to America. So you can't really be mad at this company because it's doing things to maximize its profit. From that sense, I don't have a problem with the company doing things to maximize its profit. I have a problem with the system set up to screw the people it governs. And, you know, we've talked before that big companies are some of the most anti-capitalistic people there are because they they pay for the lobbyists and they own the lawmakers so they write the laws so they can stay on top and this is the way they stay on top they you know hey let's bring these foreign workers in we'll give the companies credit for hiring these foreign workers and the companies make more money because they can pay the foreign workers less money to do the exact same job so here's what I find interesting about that. Let me let me interject there. Um, I'm not going to dispute anything you say, but what I find interesting about that is these 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 foreign workers, as you dubbed them, they're they're foreign nationals, but they're working in our country, living in our country, buying the same groceries, living in the same streets. Why are they willing to work for less? Clearly, it can be done. So Americans could work for less. They're just unwilling to. 
right? If they had gone to these people and said, you could keep your job, but we're going to cut your salary to the point that these foreign nationals will work. Um, would that have flown? Would that have been insensitive? Probably. But the, the point is, this is not, this is not overseas outsourcing. The, uh, the, the Indian call center has become so commonplace that it's actually a joke now. Um, and that's because it's become easy to do. Uh, uh, Jamaica is, is a new recent hotspot for call centers. Uh, you look for a place where the economy is such that, uh, $8 an hour seems like a million, uh, and has a good IT infrastructure and where they speak English natively. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of places where you can do that. Uh, India was one of the first places to get started. Other places you, you, you hit these people, they are clearly not Americans. But they're doing call support for, you know, if you do Dell uh, tech support, you're not going to get somebody in, in America. It's, it's very unlikely that you're going to get somebody in America. Consumer, um, enterprise, you still do. Okay. So have, having said that, that's outsourcing. Okay. That is losing an American job. You're not putting an American out of work. You're just taking a job that would have been an American job and moving it overseas. So that's one thing. I, I just wanted to find our terms. The other one is putting Americans out of work, which is what this is. You are bringing in a foreign national uh, and using American, uh, at the, in this case, to say a, an American citizen, either natural or naturalized. A citizen of our country is being displaced by a foreign national who is work, sitting in the same chair, living presumably in the same city, driving the same roads. Uh, buying food at the same grocery stores, buying electricity from the same uh, electric company, buying gas from the same gas stations. These are not, uh, the economy as a whole does not see a, a negative here. They, they, in fact, it's a positive. You're importing co consumers. So why is it that these foreign nationals will work for half the amount of money? That is a good question. And, you know, Greed is not confined to the rich that, you know, greed is not the luxury of the rich from the poorest person to the richest person. Greed infects us all. Um, so I, I, there isn't a good answer to your question other than the greed of the company and the greed of the individual. And, you know, part of it goes to these are not, you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's. These are jobs that you have to put effort to learn the skills and whether that effort is getting a loan to go to a college or trade school or some type of education or teaching yourself, you know, by consulting books and videos and online materials, you have to put a lot of effort to get these jobs. And so because you're doing it in this country, it costs us more to learn the skills than it does in other places, but then we're undercut. So we've invested all this money in our future. And now we're finding I could make the same working at McDonald's. So why bother going out and getting a high tech education whenever the company, when I'm not going to be able to get a job doing it because foreign nationals are brought in and they're preferred because not only do they work less, the company gets tax breaks for bringing them in that they don't get tax breaks if they hire a native citizen. So that's the other side of it. So, okay. I, I, I'm not sure that I can even talk about the tax breaks part. Um, I, I maybe, yes, there is, there is a, some incentive. These H1B visas are the, the general ones. It's if you are a skilled person um, and your job is in demand, 
then you can get a special visa uh, to be a guest worker. A, a uh, uh, Go ahead, Seth. Well, and that's the thing. If you're having to lay off somebody who is doing the job, then how in demand is it? So do, I mean, you know, there's the H-1B visa program, but technically, do they even qualify if they're displacing someone who currently does the job? It's one thing if there's nobody who can do this job, and it's another thing to say we can save some money bringing these people in. Well, okay, let's just address that right there. What What is the responsibility of a business? Is it to is it to have American job? And I don't know. I don't know that there's a right answer to this, but this is sort of the nature of what we're talking about. Is this is the responsibility of a of a corporate entity to make the the surrounding environments, the culture around it better, or is it to maximize profit? I could hear an argument either way. What do you think? Okay, I mean, it is to maximize profit, but to maximize profit in the short term as well as the long term. If you destroy your consumer base, then great, you saved a few dollars this quarter, but next quarter, you know, in a couple of years, your profits are going to go way down because the market won't support the way the rate you currently have now. So it's one of those short term, long term thinkings. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out stuff here. No, what I do you think it. about that? Chris, same question. Um, in in you know, general broad strokes, what is the primary responsibility of a business? Nope, you're muted. We're not hearing you. All right. So while Chris works that out, um, <laughs> I will say, uh, uh, what what? For example, you know, I own a company. Right right now, you are listening to me on a product produced by Element OP Productions. It's the beginning of every show, and that's a question I had to ask myself. When, when forming this company, in, in this case, it's just a DBA. It's me uh, doing business as a name. But uh, the same would be true if it was an LLC or a full-on corporation. Um, you, one of the, especially if you're a corporation, one of the required documents is some sort of business uh, uh, plan or scope or uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm blanking on it. Uh, anyway. Mission statement? Mission statement. Thank you. Uh, so my, what I have decided is the primary responsibility of Element OP Productions is to entertain and educate the audience. So my primary goal is to serve the audience. Prof, maximizing profit must come secondary to that. And then being, doing good. Yeah. Doing the right thing, doing good, do, making the world a better place is is under maximizing profit only as much as it supports you know sort of asimov's three laws uh rule number one serve the audience rule number two maximize check, profit check. we're good you, we hear you chris rule number two maximize profit okay. as long as it doesn't uh, uh interfere with rule number one one rule number three um do the best good uh, that you can to the culture around you as long as it doesn't interfere with rules number one or two so that that's kind of the way i run my one person company uh so in my case, maximizing profit would become before making the world a better place. Um, unless you put it in terms of serving your customers, you could say that making the better world a better place is part of serving your customers. So there's some circular thinking there. Uh, and each, each corporate entity, each uh, person and each individual has to, has to wrestle with that on a regular basis. When you have, you know, corporate business meetings, we have board meetings. These are the sort of things that they talk about. What is not at any part of that is Dick Durbin's harsh and insensitive. 
not at any point did I say that you have to be mild and sensitive. Uh, and I don't think that Apple is, you know, I, I went on, you know, uh, on the record just last week saying that I don't buy Apple products because I don't want to be an Apple customer because I don't like the way they treat their customers. But it's not their job to make me feel good. It's their job to liberate me from my money. And if making me feel good isn't part of that, and it hasn't been, Apple has not traded on the feel good. They've actually traded on elitism for decades now. Make other make you feel good because you think you're better than those around you. That's a corporate uh, strategy, um, and it works for them. It, it's going to work in the short term anyway. Seth, back to your point about short term versus long term. All right, so Chris, now that right. you're back, what what do you okay. think the primary role of a company is or a business? Well, it that that depends greatly upon what type of business they are. Um, if they are a customer facing company, then there I would say they need to be a customer centric you know the 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 long run is making sure the customer is happy you know a service industry uh, but if your business is one that is back end business you don't have any front end customer level then it's to maximize profits so let's look at uh, uh an example that is often uh touted in it's certainly in social media if not regular media chick-fil-a chick-fil-a for uh reasons uh, of the belief system of the owners is not open on Sundays. Mm -hmm. That is not serving their customers. That is one seventh of the week where they are choosing not to serve their customers. Uh, right. and, and many people I know, Chick-fil-A is, is huge here in Atlanta. Many people I know would eat lunch uh, after church every Sunday at Chick-fil-A if it were open. Mm -hmm. So Chick-fil-A has chosen to serve their own principles or in, in uh, the way they look at it, uh, serve their employees over their customers one-seventh of the week. That's a choice they made. And they are frequently blasted for choosing to stand on those sorts of principles. But, you know, and, and I, I guess people probably call them harsh and insensitive uh, as well. But then the question is, uh, who gets to decide that? Uh, I guess my, my point is the, the owners of the company and the customers. Mm -hmm. That's a decision that they make among themselves. Okay, but by not being open on Sunday and honoring their customers' religious beliefs, that is serving their customer. Except the customers who are atheists and just want waffle fries on Sunday. They're not right. serving that customer. They're serving no. the customers who think the same as the owner and excluding the others. Oh, exclusion. American, no. American businesses can't be exclusionary. But sure they yeah. can. Because it's the way that everything works. We make our own rules over in America. <laughs> I mean, Target decided they were going to be inclusive. And there's been a, a, a huge backlash about it. I doubt they've lost any money over it. But they've certainly lost some media face by saying that they were going to put in transgender ba transgender bathrooms. Let me, my wife asked me what I thought about that. A, a current event. Okay. Uh, not really related to this. Um, President Obama essentially issued a decree to all public schools in the country last week that said you must mm -hmm. make um, arrangements for transgen transgender students. Um, I don't know that he specifically talked about restrooms, but he just said you 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 must be you must have a plan to be inclusive of transgender students, and if you're not, we'll cut federal funding, like for example the school lunch program, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. that's a super simplification of it. And, uh, there's been uproar about it, um, uh, certainly on social media. And my wife asked me, you know, what, what do you think about it? 
And I said, well, I think it's much ado about nothing. Every porter, portable potty every anywhere in the country has been uh, transgender uh, available. Every uh, restroom marked as a family restroom. You know what? My bathrooms in my house support both genders. I know. I know. It's I'm, I'm forward thinking like that. I don't have a men's How dare room you? and a ladies room in my house. They're, How dare you, Mark? They're gender nonspecific bathrooms. <laughs> um, and so people were just going crazy because Target wants to have gender nonspecific bathrooms. Every construction site on the planet has gender nonspecific bathrooms. Get over it. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's how can people be that blind? You know, I mean, we, we've been gender non forever. Well, the difference it, is it's the difference between a one hole and a two hole. Right. Any any time yeah. there's a multiple people in the bathroom at the same time, they've been divided down genders. Um, except for family restrooms, which are all over the place. If when I go to my local Home Depot, there's mm-hmm. a multi uh, stall family bathroom in there, which it is it is understood that guys can take their daughters in there and and uh, women can take their sons in there, uh, and that's what that's for. That's a family bathroom where gender lines don't don't fit. Mm-hmm. Um. And so they've been around for a long time, but suddenly, because somebody who uh, dresses differently or somebody who was born differently and, and has different anatomy now due to surgery might use one of those, um, you know, people are, are uh, confusing transgender and, and uh, transvestite. That's, that's one of the, the biggest thing is they're assuming every transvestite, uh, any man, every man who likes to wear women's clothing is immediately a pervert. And and I okay if that's your belief if you believe that is a perverted behavior and that comes from a moral perversion and you would not a man would not wear women's clothes and were, were he not a perverted uh, individual then I get, I get your point but just let him go to the gender nonspecific bathroom and you know get on with your life okay but what happens when there's only one bathroom marked males and one bathroom marked female and there is no family bathroom. Well, there's the thing, you know, uh, but that the thing is, the is but Target, their whole point was we're going to install gender nonspecific bathrooms. That was their whole thing. Um, we're going to make well, it available. Well, their whole thing was we no longer have a men's bathroom and a women's bathroom. Yeah. All bathrooms are now gender nonspecific, which is, you know, it's the same thing, right? You've basically just, you've just basically labeled all your restrooms as family restrooms. If they'd said that, I probably would have been applauded for it instead of vilified. Well, and if if they make it so that only one family can go in there at a time, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. Mm. So how do you go? How do you say that? Is is my? Well, I know, mean, so okay, your uncle I'm, Seth. I'm, when you come to my house, are, right, are you part yeah. of my family or not? Well, but here's the deal: I'm not married, but say I have a six or seven year old girl. She goes into what used to be the women's restroom, and this guy says, I identify as a girl now, so this 25-year-old man follows her into the restroom. So you follow the 25-year-old man and yeah, guard you your six-year-old with. niece. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I don't want to go in the women's bathroom. <laughs> That's the thing. So, you know, I can understand, you know, if if. If they're going to say, you know, no more communal restrooms, everything is single thing. Okay, fine. But what about the ones it, then they need to make an exemption for the communal ones that are already there? So that, that, that to me, that's the issue. 
All right. I, I didn't mean to take us down that rabbit hole, but the argument <laughs> the argument seems to be entirely about pre-op transsexuals or transvestites. Um and and that's that's the thing. The the actual the, the Bruce Jenners of the world, the actual post-op transgenders. He's not you know, post. Well, well, okay. I will say he that he is. Uh because he's the most famous person I can think of. So, okay, well, maybe Bruce Jenner now, because he is a pre-op transsexual, uh, right? Uh, where, do, where do you think he should go? It's not, it's not Target's business where he should go. It is the business yeah. of, you know, me as my parent, if I, whether I want Bruce Jenner in the same bathroom as my kids, that's my job. Um, and I get that. I, I understand all these points, but I also understand that, that, you're you're setting up an onus of of patrolling these things. You, you, Target now has to have gender uh, specific potty patrols. Uh, an employee who stands at the bathroom and and does a DNA test: Were you born male or female? Uh, before you can go in there. And so they thought that the smarter thing to do would just be say, you know, we're we're just not going to have any gender assignments at all. And their customers told them that was wrong. To get back to our point, the customers. Um, in this case, are sort of driving the bus. Um, but to go back to uh, uh, Abbott Labs, their customers don't care. I, I I don't know Abbott Labs. I'm not a I'm not one of their customers. But I would assume that 90 plus percent of their customers don't care whether their tech support is handled by uh, a foreign national or a naturalized American citizen or a natural American citizen, as long as they get good quality tech support. So I don't know, but that's what they're that's that's the end goal anyway. Is does my problem get fixed? And Abbott Labs, that's their question too. My problem is I'm spending too much on tech support for the reasons that Seth said, you know, so eloquently that it's expensive to gain the skills necessary to, to take, to have some of these jobs. Um, and so people are wanting a return on that investment. I get that. The, the checkers at McDonald's are also wanting a return on their investment and that's not happening. Um, so there's you you can want it and then there's things you can get and they don't necessarily go together so what's right. happening is the it workers making them train their replacements that's a little low class i get that but yeah. it's also the most effective way to do it who knows the job better than the person leaving it but in that instance though wouldn't you if you were the the ceo or the cto or whatever you want to call them the person pushing for the the people they're firing to hire to train the the com- people coming in, wouldn't you worry about them mistraining? Nope. You're worried about the bonus you get because you slashed IT budget by 25%. So therefore, that frees up more money for your bonus. The disconnect between the C-level and the rest of the company seems to get wider and wider every day. So there isn't the loyal, you know, there's no loyalty from the the individual worker to the company because the company has no loyalty to the individual worker. So since there's no loyalty, Hey, we can find somebody and cut costs. Let's do that. So, All right, so let's, let's tackle that uh, dummy a little bit. So uh, loyalty is a thing. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It used to be you, you went to work at the company your dad went to work for and he worked there for 40 years and he got you on in the mail room and you were going to work there for 40 years and retire. You stood by your company, your company stood by you. That doesn't exist in our country nope. anymore. It is very rare. It's it's the exception and certainly not the rule. Is it the pursuit of profits 
that changed that or the pursuit of higher wages or both? I mean, something changed that equation. If we could go back to that, then or just going forward, you know, uh, going back and looking at that time, in that case, profit often took a back seat to what was best for my employees. Uh, again, going back mm-hmm. to Chick-fil-A, they feel that it's best for their employees to let their uh, their employees have Sundays with their family, whether they're Christians or not. They think that having giving their employees one day to spend with their families is best for their employees. And so they're willing to take the financial hit of losing one-seventh of the revenue they could have by uh, actually probably more because people tend to eat out more on weekends by by closing the stores and letting their employees have that day with their family. When they when they first opened Chick-fil-A in like 1930-ish, that was common thought. Now it's yeah. uncommon. And so they're being called out for being uncommon when they're really just throwbacks. So if Abbott Labs maintained this sort of of loyalty to their to their employees, my question is would their employees reciprocate that? What do you think, Chris? I would say yeah. Um you know, you are you are who you are around. You know, the the whole idea that birds of a feather flock, um I've seen in j- not just my work experience at you know, the different places I've worked at, but the places that have loyal and and helpful management have loyal and thought thoughtful employees when you come to a place that has crappy and backbiting management you have crappy and backbiting employees um it's one of those you know you you know it's the the you the monkey see monkey do or in this case it's the the monkey trained monkey do so it goes on the line of, of what you see is what you're going to portray. And so if you're portraying nasty backbiting, that's, that's what you're going to get back. Seth, what do you think? Would, would loyalty on the part of the employer, employer engender loyalty on the part of the employee? Yes. Now, you know, it's one of those, you can't say it would be a one-for-one one thing, but the more loyal the company is, the more loyal the employee is. Has a general rule, yes. I don't think so. I think that Abbott Labs, in this case, would be, um, you know, cutting their own profits without any gain, uh, because we've created this culture. Whether it's good or bad, I think that the the horse is out of the barn at this point. Well, yeah, created, they, they left. We've created this culture in which, it, particularly in IT and certainly in like middle management IT. Um, you're expected to jump from one company to another. In fact, if you have a resume that shows, you know, several uh, years, a decade of one company, uh, that's actually negative in 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 IT and certainly in in middle management uh, circles. Uh, in, in my experience, uh, so it's we've created this culture, and we could argue about how it got created. Was it the me generation? Was it the baby boomers always uh, looking for the next job for more money? Was it the the greed of the corporations always, you know, undercutting people? I, I don't know, but I think that that's gone now, and it would take a generation to get it back. So Abbott Labs um, and Disney was another uh, thing that was uh, mentioned in this Computer Ward article, uh, that uh, that they would have to take a hit for a generation before they could see a return on that investment. But would that return be worth it? That would be the question. You know, I, I think it would. If you're if you're wanting to change your paradigm to make a better place for your employees and your customers, then you take that hit. But you've got to get. Um, I could do that as a sole proprietor. 
But mm -hmm. if you've got a board of directors and and stockholders uh, and Wall Street uh, investors, and if you've got all those people uh, that you've got to convince, that's a much harder sale to oh, make. Yeah, yeah, but it's one of those things. You know, that's 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 teaching the culture. You know, if you want a good culture for your employees and your customers, then you have to take that hit. You know, so Ben and Jerry's. I, I have a feeling that this company is never going to get out from underneath this. They're going to constantly have, they're going to shortchange their employees and they're going to constantly have this constant revolving door and they're never going to get the, the, the level of, of ex expectations going to keep coming down and they're never going to get to that, that pristine level of, of support again. Yeah, that's an excellent point that, that your, your short term, uh, contract workers will be cycling out and you'll have a churn there and you won't be able to grow managers up because these people are on temporary work visas and you, you won't be able to, to grow your managers from within. That's an excellent point. Seth, what do you think? No, I, I totally agree with that. You know, we're not talking about the difference between profitability and destruction because you, you know, had losses. We're talking about the difference between profitable and wringing every last possible cent there is to get out of the business. And again, you know, I mean, it's easy because I don't, I'm not the CEO. My bonus doesn't depend on, you know, how many people did I get fired? What's our stock ticker move up this week? All that kind of crap. So it's easy for me to say that there's a level of profit that is enough. And after that, you build the culture to make you make sure that level of profit stays not just in the near term, but in the long term versus wringing every cent you can today. And then what else can we cannibalize tomorrow for next quarter's profit? And that's why I, th I think this is the, the, the heart of the matter is, and I don't know, I don't know how to fix it other than to say, take away any of those bonuses that would reward people for damaging the company long term but you, you know, know we had I, I started to say earlier ben and jerry's tried this a while back they they're ben and jerry the owners of that company are admitted socialists and they had this you know uh manifesto that their highest paid employee would not make more than i'm going to make up a number 20 times their lowest paid employee um, and that lasted for a while until they found out they could not find a good CEO to work for a hundred thousand a year. They just couldn't, and they broke that, and they had to go back. Um, and so now they've they revamped their structure. Um, and these these high minded ideals sound like a good idea. And and I'll I'll speak uh, I'll call out a company that uh, I don't I haven't worked for them, but I know people who have Ocean Spray. You know the people that that sell you your cranberry juice has very loyal employees. And they're good to their employees. But the the list of those, in my experience, is much smaller than the list of churn. And and the question is, do you want which do you want to be? And I honestly I don't know that I have an answer to that. I would like to think that my company were it to grow to uh tens of uh, hundreds of thousands of employees, um, that that we would be good to our employees and our employees would then be good to us. Henry Ford, when he first instituted the five dollar day, which was about three times what anybody else was paying, he said that um if he starts paying his employees five dollars a day, Though even the lowly guy who sweeps the floor is going to start sweeping his floor better. And instead of sweeping the tools out in the dust pile, he'll take the time to pick them up and put them back in the bin and save $5 every day just by doing his job better. 
That was Henry Ford's mentality. Uh, and to some degree, he was proven right. He also uh, brought the whole industry up. His, uh, he's credited with the 40-hour work week. Before then, it was 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, 80 to 90 was common. Um, he gave his employees uh, eight-hour days, five days a week, gave them the weekends off, and paid them well. And and it he could do that because he was the big leader in the industry, and he caused the whole other industry and essentially the entire society to raise up. Who's going to do that now? Who's in the position to be able to do that now? Could Microsoft do that with their billions? Could Apple do that with the, with their billions? Is anybody in a position now to do the equivalent of the $5 day? Ben and Jerry's tried. They couldn't do it. The problem boils down to the ugly greed monster of greed. Uh, the, the, the constant fact that people are trying to, you know, more money, more money, more money, and damned if anything else is, is any more important than money. There are a few companies that are, are better than that. And I, I don't know if there's any in the tech world, you know, supposedly Google is very good to their employees, but they still see turnover where, you know, some hide hunter comes by and says, Hey, here's an extra 20% to your check. Come over and work for the, for so and so. Massive churn at Google. Yes. Yeah. And, but, you see, you know, you read and you read studies and you see the, the, the supposed work areas that they have at Google. And man, I would give my left arm to work at a place like that where you, you know, they, they have good work or good health care for right there in the building. So you can, you know, yeah, you're working more for them, but you're also getting good, being taken care of, you know, daycare on site. How many places offer daycare on site? None that I know of unless you work at a daycare. Um, uh, we even had to pay them. It was yeah. a discount. We had to pay. Yeah. See my, but by my, my point is still valid. You don't see that type of company anymore. And that's what's that. And I think that's, what's wrong in the United States right now is the fact that we don't have companies that are looking at their employees as investments. They're looking at the employees as a cost. Well, and it goes back to, how many of the people who show up to work at that place are employed directly by that company? How many of them are contractors outsourced to something else? So that way, Abbott first said, oh, we're only hiring three people who aren't, you know, I mean, it's, it's our IT, it's our service provider. Well, the service provider is doing that because you told them to, but you get to insulate yourself from those decisions because we're not paying them. We've outsourced it. Well, when you've outsourced it, all you've done is created another layer of bureaucracy that the end end worker who actually does the job now can't make as much as if you hired them directly because you have to have your managers and then the company you outsource them to has to have their managers. So, yes, you get it. You get the work done for a lower rate of pay, but you've created bureaucracy that didn't need to be there. So that's, you know, for. um Back in the day, I tried and tried and tried to work at Microsoft, but Microsoft didn't hire anybody directly. Everybody was on temp contracts. And so if you ever could get on with Microsoft, you were set. But nobody could get on with Microsoft. They worked through a temp agency there. And so Microsoft has, you know, they pay their employees great. Well, great. But the problem was most of the people working there weren't Microsoft employees. So, you know, Microsoft can say, oh, well, our average salary is blah, 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 but you don't see our contractor's average salary is one third that, and that's just a random number. So, you know, it gets into the thing, 
We throw these things in there to insulate it, and all it means is the end worker doesn't make as much as they did before. And, you know, I'm looking for a job now, so I'm I'm a little passionate about this. Well, that's a good point. So it, people tend to change their mindset whether when they go from employee to employer. Um, you know, it's, it's a well-known fact that college students are liberal and business owners are conservative. And often those business owners were, con- were liberal Democrats uh, or liberal college students when they became conservative business owners. I, I threw Democrat in there. Sorry. Uh, uh, Pavlovian response. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, the point there is that you, we're, you, it's appropriate to change your thinking as, as you understand things better. Uh, interestingly enough, we don't allow our, our political candidates that. If you have changed your thinking from what it was 20 years ago, you're a flip-flopper. You're not wise. Right. You're, you're a flip-flopper. Um, I have changed my opinion about many things that I had when I was 25 years old. Uh, and that's to the good, I assure you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the, the, my, my next uh, question I had about this was, where do we as a whole as this, as the culture, as, as the country, in, in this case, uh, I don't think it was the uh, Abbott one, but the Disney one, there was actually a Senate investigation. Your tax dollars at work, a Senate investigation about laying wow. off IT workers. Do, is that appropriate? Do we as the American people and our, our representatives, using that word in the literal sense, our representatives, do they have a charter to be making sure that our companies are sensitive and mild rather than harsh and insensitive. Seth? Um, to make sure they're sensitive and mild, no, but to make sure that their citizens, their constituencies aren't being bleeped over by their employers, yes. So, uh, well, okay. So, now, in, was wait, that let the me, case? Let me, I don't know. Let me give you the chance to refine your terms there. Are we talking about... Uh, Ensuring that no illegal activity has taken place or ensuring that no unpleasant activity has taken place? You know, it gets, I would say, not illegal because a lot of stuff that is legal isn't right. And people laws are created and there's the unintended consequences of the law that was created. And we've talked about this in a general way before. So if a company not breaking any laws, but using every legal loophole that exists can get away with shafting its employees, then I think the government has a responsibility to step in and say, you can't shaft your our citizens in this way and close them. So was the investigation necessary? I don't know because I didn't really read to see what the investigation was and what the findings were. So in the abstract, yes, investigations by the elected officials are really what they're there for. In the specifics, I don't know the specifics. So you're talking about refining the laws. If we find that the, there were unintended consequences of the law, that you're following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law, that the government's job is to refine those laws. Have I restated your position accurately? Correct. And, you know, and the purpose of the H-1B is to bring over people for jobs there's a shortage of. Well, I would hypothesize uh, or posit that if you have to fire someone to make room for the H-1B visa holder, then technically there isn't a shortage and they shouldn't have been brought over. Chris, your thoughts? 
it, I'm, I'm pretty close to Sess on that. But the question then comes into if you're looking at filling a position um, with a H1B1, you're having to pay for them to come across. Have you the has the company paid the same due diligence to moving somebody from say the east coast to the west coast? You know what I'm saying? That have have they exhausted the search? Well, I'm I sure would, that I'm sure that some math was done, and they decided it was cheaper to get people from India than from Indiana. I, I I'm quite certain that that math was done. Right, but should that be should should that be the line that we say? Okay, we found a guy, but he lives in Timbuktu. And it would cost us twenty thousand dollars that first year to get him back to get him here, just for moving cost to move him over. But yet, it's fifteen thousand dollars to get an H one B one. But again, you don't need the H one B one because there's people already doing the job. Right. No, I'm saying like they're they're adding job. They're adding a job for IT. So, Seth, as I understand your objection here, um, they have violated the spirit of the law by by using legal processes to maximize their profit rather than than following the uh, the the spirit of the law in that using the legal processes to maximize opportunity. So, rather than maximizing opportunity, they've maximized profit, and that's your problem with it. Correct. Okay. If if they were opening up a new division and, you know, then you can make the argument. And to me, that's a different argument. Do I want to pay this person X at a new job when I can bring over this person for Y? That to me is a different, different equation than do I want to keep this person when I can bring in X person for Y? Do you feel the same about outsourcing call centers to Jamaica? Huh? I, I, I do. It's, I mean, I understand why the businesses do it and I understand it's not illegal, but if they want to sell to American company, you know, if they're an American company and they pay taxes and they get grants and everything from the government, then I think they, they, is it a legal requirement? No, but I think they have a duty to provide you know, wage opportunity to their customers. And, you know, unfortunately, people at the consumer level don't care because the the software that's supported by the Jamaican uh, call center costs half as much as the software supported by the American call center because the Americans want more money. I understand that. And so I I understand I don't like it. I I hate globalization. (laughs) So... All right, so pulling the thread a little farther, outsourcing manufacturing to China. Same rules apply? I Again, I understand why they do it. I don't like it. So, But at the same time, <laughs> I don't check to see where my stuff is made. I check for the price tag. So I'm part of the problem with that one. Chris, your thoughts? I understand. It's, uh, you know, a lot of times when we go down these stories, it's it's amazing how much we all parallel in thought. Um yeah, I, I'm also one that I don't really pay attention to where things are made or where the support's coming from. But I do know that if I see a place, uh, uh, if, say, my Motorola phone, which is not U.S. made, um, but U.S. sold, I I can't fight the idea that, you know, I would love to, ha- to buy a phone in, that's U.S. made from U.S. money for U.S., you know, jobs, but anymore there's such a, a demand on our 
finances because of our keeping up with the Joneses mentality that it's it's amazing the the sacrifices that people are willing to make which is the same sacrifice that a business is making to keep up with their profit margins to make themselves look good for the the start the stakeholders so you have come full circle back to my initial point that uh the these H1B workers are willing to work for less able to work for less in the exact same environment, in the same city, in the same grocery stores, on the same streets, paying the mm-hmm. same gas. Um, and so you, you nailed it. It's, it's, this is an issue of American, not American exceptionalism, but American uh, privilege. We believe that because we were born here, we have a birthright of, of having certain things. And those certain things that have changed. Today, the American birthright is broadband internet and a mobile phone, uh, a smartphone. That that is because I'm an American, I deserve those things. These these H1B foreign nationals don't have that same American birthright. They don't feel entitled to living, uh, having their kids in separate bedrooms. They're okay with having their kids stacked up four to a room. So mm-hmm. they're living the life that we could be living, but we choose not to. And so we're now we're right back to that same old saw that's been going around for forever. These dang Mexicans coming in are taking the jobs that Americans won't do. So these are decades old arguments that have just now started to hit the high, t- uh, high tech industry. Well, a yep. part of what makes it a problem is one of the ways that in, in history, and it doesn't work anymore in history, the way you protected local jobs was you place taxes on things that came from other countries. And that's how your government was got a large portion of its income was off of those tariffs. And then, you know, there would be tariff wars where, oh yeah, we're going to charge more and there would be stuff like that. But if you eliminate those tariffs in the name of free trade, well then the people with the higher standard of living, their standard of living is going to fall because the the it becomes then cheaper to bring in material or and whether that material is physical material or services from other countries because there's no tariff on them and person who makes two dollars a day can do the exact same job as person who makes twenty dollars an hour well of course you're going to do the two dollar a day route so but you know at the same time the the c-level executives of the company they want to make more and more every year, but they don't want their employees to make more and more every year. They want their employees to make less. And to me, morally, you can't have it both ways. If you want your employees to make less, then you should have to be okay with making less too. But there's no corporate executive that's going to give themselves a pay cut to keep that ratio that used to exist between the foundation workers and the higher ups in the company. And certainly no stockholder that's going to take a pay cut in the form of lower dividends. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's a sale that you're not going to make. No, I, I, I understand. I, I was born 100 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> now, but the, the question, I, I you know, we brought up the word entitled. Entitled is something that uh, I, I hear a lot of when I talk to the older generations about people my age or younger on how people are the the entitlement mentality of people it's the same problem it's just a different wording for it and it's just amazing that here it is again you know we feel entitled to having a cell phone and broadband internet but yet i know plenty of people that are 
skilled workers that are not t- working in jobs because it's beneath them to take that job. Um, I must have been born under the right sun because, or the right star, because I remember scrubbing toilets and I'd go back to it if it fed my family. Yeah, I, I, I know more than one person who have been, quote, looking for a job for a decade. That's not possible. You cannot look for a job for a decade. You've either been mm-hmm. out of work for a decade or you've been looking for a job. You can't do both. Well, and, and part of the problem is, okay, my last job, I was making $60,000 a year. If I take a job making $10 an hour for six months, I go to another job. They're going to say, how much did you make at your last job? $10 an hour. Well, we'll pay you 12 versus, you know, once you drop in what you make, if you put that on your resume and explain that, you know, to fill in a time gap, then you're not going to, it's not going to be a, a short little dip in your earnings chart. You've, you have fallen and you have to slowly build your way up over time. So that's unfortunately right, wrong, or indifferent. That's the nature of employment is how much did you make at your last job? We'll beat it by 10%. So well, if and I, in, that, in that case, it's perfectly okay to tell them the job that was in the same industry. Yeah. When, I, when I'm doing resumes, I don't put that I was a, a grocery clerk at DSC Kingsaver in Greenville, Texas. Um, it's not relevant. No, but if I go for a tech job paying $12 an hour and look for another job, you know, if I'm, then they're not going to pay me 60000 that I was making at the previous one. Well, that, that so. all depends on the corporate policy. It's some, some corporations pay what the job is worth, regardless of who takes it. Um, right. You know, I, I am fortunate that that was the mentality of, of my current employer. We, we pay what the job is worth. It doesn't matter what you made before, uh, because I would have been stuck in that same boat. Um, I get it. And that's true. That is a true statement. Everything you said is true, but it's also not universal. It's just harder. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's, and that also, I think, comes down to the difference. No offense, Seth, but you're single. You're, you don't have kids. So that, that mentality would, works better for you. But if I were to lose my tech job tomorrow, and was told, sorry, Charlie, you know, hey, we can't afford your wage. Uh, I know f- plenty of jobs in town that I could go scrub toilets or, you know, turn a monkey wrench, change a tire, and I'd still take those jobs in a heartbeat because it would put food on my family's table. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm still living off my savings, so I'm not desperate yet. So Good when I get desperate savings. Yeah. yeah. When I get desperate, things will change. But getting back to the article, had this company placed an ad in Mumbai Times or whatever and paid for the expense to bring these people over, I would have much less of a problem than they are exploiting the government uh, and getting the credits for this program the government has put in place and using, I'm not even saying they're doing anything illegal but doing things outside the intent of the law, getting the benefits of being a corporate citizen of the United States while dissing on the physical citizens of the United States. To me, that's my major problem with what happened. And would you feel the same if this were a Chinese company or an Iranian company? Is it, um, is it the fact that you're an American that bothers you or is it the practice that bothers you? It is, it, I don't want, what are you asking me? Restate your question. If you read this same article about a Chinese company importing Lebanese workers, would it raise your ire the same? 
if they were using a government program to then turn around and displace those citizens, I, I wouldn't feel as passionately about it because it doesn't affect me so much, but I would have the same stance I have in this one. Okay. Versus just, they didn't go out and say, hey, we're going to hire you to come in. We're going to use this program so we can make money hiring you and firing the people who are here. I'm I'm much more libertarian about this and, and that I think that what they're doing is fine. It's legal and it's appropriate for maximizing their profit. Uh, does that make them good people? No. And but, and much like in the way that I my review, uh, my response to Apple, I don't want to be associated with that company. I might choose to not be associated with Abbott Labs. I might choose if I if I were a customer of theirs and this article came out, there's a good chance I would change my my service provider my consultancy if i could um i feel i feel that way as a consumer but uh, in terms of as as my role as an american citizen to have my representatives investigating them i just don't feel that that's right and appropriate use of of resources okay but again this isn't libertarian because they're exploiting a program that the, they're using direct government involvement so they're they're working the laws that as they are written that that's not wrong um it, it may be sleazy but it's they're they're obeying the laws they're following the letter of the law uh and they're making the maximum use of their available resources right but this is not free market and it's not non-intervention and i don't say they should be fined for this because they haven't broken the law but this is a case where there should be an investigation and the law should change so it doesn't happen again okay so i i actually support that premise change the law because we don't agree with the intended consequences of the law unintended consequences but don't stop the company from from doing the practice uh, so that there's where, where my libertarianism k- kicks in They're They're doing something that is, that is right. Whether or not I agree with it, uh, it is legal. Uh, I won't use the word right. They're doing something that is legal. If you want to change the law, great, but don't mess with the company. And I, and I feel that I feel that way about so many things. If you don't like the law, change the law. There's a process for that. We in America have an amazingly robust process for changing the law all the way down to the constitution. We could call a constitutional convention and ratify an entirely new constitution. We have that right. We could do that, but mm-hmm. don't, don't legislate by fiat. Don't legislate by, by judicial, uh, uh, order, for example. Don't, don't mess with things because you don't like them, even though they're legal. So do I like what Abbott Labs is doing? No. Do I think they have a, a, a valid right to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's your stance and that's one way to look at it. I mean, I think that. I would have asked them to look at a better way of saving money than dumping their entire client or their customer, their tech, their tech force. Uh, there had to have been better ways to do that than starting over. Yeah. If yeah, in my opinion. Um, but you know, that's, that's my thoughts there. That's so the, really the only part about this whole article that bothered me was that the government was involved in it in any way. Um, but Seth, I, I, ha- I moderate that because I will accept the premise that it, it that it is incumbent on our government to make sure that the laws that they've created are not causing unintended harm. So I, I, I stipulate that point. 
Right. And so I've and, done my internet outrage. So now I can ignore <laughs> from now on. I, I feel vented. I've, I've got my hacktivism riled up and, uh, but I haven't really done anything to change the situation. I'm the quintessential American now. Yeah. And, and uh, one thing I, I will point out though is if we have created, a, and this is a societal thing, this is not business. Uh, but if we've created a situation where, um, the people who work in an area cannot afford to live in the area they work. We really need to re reevaluate that as a culture. Uh, for yes. example, I, I work, I, I work 25 miles from where I live. I cannot afford to live closer because every five miles in you go, things go up a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I made that up, but there, there is a metric there. Every the closer you get to the city center uh, and the businesses for, for whatever their reasons are, they associate themselves in the city center, but they've created a scenario where they can their people can't live there. So the the one of the reasons Abbott Labs is having this problem is that their their current IT staff is not willing to work for less because they can't have the life that they want in that area. The 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 people coming over from other countries are stepping up. What what Americans would consider a step down are most likely a step up. And so that's sure. that's something that we as a society, as a global society, because this is not an American problem. This is a global problem. This is a human problem. We need to reexamine as a global society. And, and my whole point of this, if I have one, is that globalization creates these problems. Uh, you know, you and I, the, the three of us now are spanning tens of thousands of miles between us and doing it in real time because technology has allowed that to happen. That same technology that allows that to happen allows a call center job to be outsourced to India. Right. To span those tens of thousands of miles. And that's okay. Um, so that, that's an interesting, uh, way to look at it in that you, you're, you're sort of being, uh, bitten by your own poison at this point. We've created a global economy. We got to stop looking at ourselves as Americans and start looking at ourselves as citizens of the global society. Wow, that was a super liberal thing to say, but it's also. True. I thought you were libertarian, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I'm see not isolationist. Mark. Yeah. Since when did you become a Democrat? Yeah, I'm. I'm not isolationist. I never uh, liked the Monroe Doctrine. Um. I. But while while the Monroe Doctrine Doctrine had its place 200 years ago, it does not today at all. And and we need to. Well, not 200. I, I added too many years there, but anyway, the point stands that uh, uh, we. We have to we have to rethink the world that we're in, and I think we need to get over this concept of American jobs. There's just no there are just jobs, and whoever can do that job, whoever can get to it to do the job, whether it's digitally or physically, it's it's a job. It's not an American job. Mm -hmm. It's a job. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, we're up to the next one. Thirty second recap, Seth. Anything else you'd like to say? Ready to go. Um, it is an American job. <laughs> okay. Chris, so, 30 second recap. Go. 30 second recap. Uh, a job's a job, no matter what it is. Okay. I, that's interesting, Seth, that, that you, you have that viewpoint. This is an American job. Um, I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just find that interesting. Um, you, you're us, you're a product of your upbringing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they weren't in, a, if it were in India, it would be an Indian job. So, yeah. Okay. 
I, I, this horse is fully dead and completely beaten. Um, and it's time to move on. And we've discussed this so much, we don't have time to do any news. So I'm going to go straight into Seth. What happened this week in history? Okay. Speaking about government involvement, this week in history, May the 18th, 1998, the U.S. Justice Department files antitrust lawsuit against Microsoft. This was when Microsoft came out with uh, Windows 98 and bra- and bundled their browser for free because it was so crappy they couldn't sell it or give it away. And the government sued them saying, you use your monopolistic uh, hold on the operating system to uh, do this. Because if you remember back in the day, in order to get a browser, you either had to download it via dial-up, which would take overnight, or you had to go to the store and pay, I think, if I remember correctly, Netscape was $79.95. $79.95 for a browser to see text, basically, on a web page. Um, well, and so, don't forget rotating under construction gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what happened is the one that came with it won. And so Microsoft couldn't win the browser war, so they flooded the market with inferior products. And so the government filed suit against them, and then, you know, the outcome was less than satisfactory for all parties concerned. Microsoft, Netscape, the end user, everybody lost, even the government lost. Uh, That happened this week in history. I, I can't say it better. When when the, the Justice Department files an antitrust trust lawsuit, there's only two outcomes. Everybody wins or everybody loses. And in this case, yeah. everybody lost. Yeah. And one thing they should have done with the outcome of this, they should have said, we're sorry, IBM. <laughs> because they did not hit Microsoft nearly as hard as they hit IBM. Uh, but anyway, okay, right. that happened this week in history. That's, a, that's an example, Seth, of the the government making sure that its laws are followed um and you know you could uh, you can argue whether or not this was successful or not but that was the u.s justice department doing its job hey this company's breaking our own laws we need to fix it uh and i'm not mad about that i i I think it was dumb uh but you know i think lots of things are dumb (laughs) yeah disagree with that all right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Do you think we're a bunch of blowhards? All right, be more, a little more specific. Uh, what, as I said earlier in the, in the show, I, I'm interested to hear about uh, non-Americans. When we talk about American jobs, how does that ring to a Swedish ear? What do you think when we talk about American jobs? Uh, when we talk about the global economy, uh, how does that sound to um, you know a Kuwaiti ear? What What do you think? Let me know what you think. I, I'm curious to, to hear about it. Uh, was I completely wrong? The internet generally tends to think so. Let me know. Was Chris always right all the time? The internet generally tends to think so. Let us know. Uh, go to five five nine. I am Opie. Leave us a voicemail <laughs> if you'd like to. You'd like to uh, have your voice appear right here alongside us, or go to elementopie.com. Quickly contact us button at the top of the page fill out the form that's the fastest and easiest way to do it you could also send an email to geekrant at lmnop.com that goes to all three of us so that i can't censor big brother style the email that the other guys get you would never censor us would you Uh, that's what you think yes Um, (laughs) i uh i I truly do hope that we get some response about this because I want to hear what you think. Um, good or bad, uh, you know, let me know. I, I have never been one to censor those who disagree with me. Often I put those people up front. If you disagree with me, you get top billing because that's the most interesting discussion. So let us know what you think. Elementopi.com. Use the contact us form. Um, now, having said all that, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity 
so that you look like a better hiring option. Okay, I think this one will really work. It is onlyinyourstate.com. Um, you can go there and click on it, and they have lists and things and facts, things to see, things to do for every state in America uh, or in the United States. I'm sorry. Don't want to leave out the other Americas. Um, yes. But anyway, you can go there and see and just click on, like, looking at the first page, 13 little-known beaches in Oregon that will make your summer unforgettable. Or in Wyoming, going into these five caves in Wyoming is like entering another world. So, you know, when there's one for Texas, seven more hole-in-the-wall restaurants in Texas that will blow your mind. Uh, anyway, so, you know, you can plan your vacation at work uh, and your boss can see it via the logs you go to, making you look like a bad hiring decision, paving the way for me to take your job. Well, I, I, I clicked in Georgia because that's my, you know, my adopted home state. Uh, 13 things that are illegal in Georgia. That you didn't you didn't know are illegal. Fifteen things you can only brag about if you're from Georgia. Uh, where where was another one? Uh, oh, I forgot. I've already lost it. Uh, anyway, nine epic water parks in Georgia that'll take your summer to a whole new level. So if you're traveling, <laughs> this is kind of interesting. It's a whole lot of clickbait, but it could be useful. Sometimes clickbait is actually useful. I, yeah. I had to laugh. I went on the of course Montana because that's where I'm from. And the very first one was learn to live, out, learn to love the great outdoors. Number two, learn to embrace a real, true winter. Number two, <laughs> two is about winter. And then, like, there's a couple more down the roads about learn to drive in snow, learn to drive when it's dark. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny. Ten reasons why everyone should live in Atlanta. I can give you 90 reasons you shouldn't, but let's hear what these ten are to round it out to a nice hundred. <laughs> uh, I could see spending some time on here, Seth, and and with summer a vacation season coming up, uh, you may have just done every done us all a favor. Only in your cool stuff. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. All right, something we've alluded to in the past, um, but uh, haven't really given any details on. This is, uh, if I'm doing my math right, uh, we're going to do this show and two more shows um, in. No, this is this is the second to the last. So this week and one more. So we will release on the 18th of May. We'll release on the 25th of May. And then we will not record a new show until the middle of July. Uh, I am moving. I, I, I'm buying a house. I'm moving. And also, I think we want to just make this a regular um, yearly hiatus. I think it does us all good to kind of get away and recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, so we're, we're going to take all of uh, June off, uh, which is five Wednesdays, uh, and then probably the first Wednesday in July, because that's the whole 4th of July holiday. Uh, hard to get together over that weekend thing. Uh, so that's six weeks that we're going to be away from these microphones. But fear not, you will not be without a show. We we have already pre-recorded three um, uh, things. We're going to do three best ofs. We've each picked a show that we think uh, is worth re-airing, and then we're going to th do three entirely new content shows. But even the shows that we're re-airing, there is new content there. So it's not just a total rehash. We're talking, uh, we're doing some new stuff, and then we're going into the old stuff. So here we go. Uh, just to let you know that, that this is, uh, there will be this uh, two more live shows, uh, and then we're going to take six weeks off, uh, just to let you know. But you will not miss any content. Your feed will be updated every Wednesday uh, uh, throughout the year. But if you if you you're not going to hear your feedback 
for a while if you don't get it in right away. So there's there's the little programming note I wanted to tell you about that. We're taking the summer off, but we're not taking the summer off. We won't be here, but you'll still hear us from the grave, from beyond the other side of the internet. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so having said that, it's time for me to say that ends it for this episode of The Geek Rant. <laughs> <laughs>